Good morning, everybody. It's Sunday, and we just wanted to spend some time together this morning looking into God's Word. I hope everybody's doing well. I know we're all struggling a little bit about this whole being uh, told to stay home and not being able to do what we want to do and get out and see the people we want to see. And uh, I'm not sure if it's the cooking that we're getting to do at home or all the dishes we have to do uh, once we do all the cooking that's driving me crazy, but we'll survive. And just to tell you how serious this is getting, even this week, I had to take out my own trash out of the office. That's what it's come to. I'm just kidding. I don't mind doing that. We was able to get that done. Uh, but we're doing a lot of different things, aren't we? We're just doing things. We're adapting. We're getting along. We're just hoping this ends quicker uh, than we hope. But I want you to understand that even when we do get back together, and they say we can worship again. What I'm reading and what I'm finding out from other uh, areas is it may still be in small groups. Uh, they may not let us get back together as a large group of 100 or more even uh, as we would have to here. And they're going to say smaller groups. So that's telling me that if we want to worship back in the church, we may have to do so in smaller groups, which means maybe 25 to 50 so that even says we may do one service, two services, or maybe even three to be able to get everybody that we want to get in here. And we're willing to do that. I am. And this is something the board still has to talk about. I'm just kind of brainstorming different things that we may have to do uh, once we are allowed to do so. So keep that in our prayers. But that just goes along with what I want to talk about today. In the next two or three weeks, I want to talk about finding peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And I think a lot of people today are having a hard time finding that peace because we're still not sure. Uh, people are still getting this virus. People are still dying from the virus. And uh, we're still scared about it. But also finding a peace as we stand united in this. As Christians, as a church, that we stand united even though we're separated at this time. So if you have your Bibles, John 17 is where we're going to be, and also Philippians 1, 27 through 28 is kind of our main text. So go ahead and turn there, get ready, and we will read those here in just a minute. You see, this is a constant theme throughout Scripture, that God calls his church to be united, to be unified. But what does that mean? How do we get it done? How does he expect us to stand united together when we're separated, even during these times. But in the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to a church that he obviously admires, that he kind of has set aside because of what they're doing and how they're doing it. One scholar even said that this is one of the few letters that Paul wrote with no words of condemnation. Apparently, this church at Philippi was an awesome church, was a great congregation. But even in this great congregation, Paul still says he needs to stress something to them that they can't survive without. In fact, no church can survive without it, and that is unity. You see, with a great church, we have to have sound doctrine. With a great church, there has to be a great love for Jesus. With a great church, we have to be willing and want to win people for Christ. But if a church is not unified, it pretty much says we won't be a great church because of unity has to be there. 
That's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, and I hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You have to be amazed at how often scripture stresses this idea of unity. Even though we live in a world that is so divisive in what we're seeing today. We live in a time where we need to be more unified than we have ever been. But it seems like we're more separated, doesn't it? In politics, in faith, in health concerns, even in our churches respectively. We see a lot of this. But you see, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, keep a Christian from entering the church sanctuary and you have not in the least bit hindered his worship. We carry our sanctuary with us. We never leave it. Even way back in Psalms 133 verse 1, God declares this. He says, behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 10, he writes, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there may be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. That we be united, that there's no divisions. And one of the most powerful passages on this idea of unity is found in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, where Paul says, I urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I think it should be clear to us that this is an important topic for Jesus and for God to give to us. It's an important God to God that we be unified in what we do. We need to be of one mind. We need to be of one purpose as a church. But why? That's always the question, even for little kids and even for adults and even for churches. Why do we need to be unified? Well, one of the first things I see, Jesus told us why when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just prior to his crucifixion, when he asked his father that we Christians may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that we all be one. Jesus said one of the reasons was that they also may be in us in John 17, 21. In other words, a church that is not unified is not in Jesus. A church that is not unified is not in God. You see, too many times we see these arguments and fights. We see hurt feelings. We see words said in anger. And that's just church board meetings a lot of times. But too many times we see it. And then there are just people who are looking for a reason to argue. They're just looking for a reason maybe to get been out of shape and to have a reason to leave the church. I remember years ago 
for VBS, our youth minister, challenged the kids to raise so much money, and he got my approval prior to doing this. He said, if you raise this much money, he and I would actually shave our heads to what you see today. You see, prior to this, I had hair. I had hair like you saw on Facebook on my senior uh, picture from high school. But from that day on, I've gone to this. And there was one family who got upset and left the church because they said, you said you was going to shave your head. I guess they wanted the slick top version of my shaved head. But remember that when a church, that when a Christians are arguing with each other, it means God is not in them. It means God's not in the room or in the church or in us. So we have to remember this. And a church that is constantly arguing is not the church God desires. God desires a church to be unified, to be of one heart and one mind. So many times we see, hear things that white churches get upset as to why they split and do other things. And I got to looking the other day when I was getting gas for the lawnmowers at all the different kinds of M&Ms you could buy. I mean, you have plain, you have peanut, you have peanut butter, you have almond M&Ms, you have white chocolate, dark chocolate, pretzel, caramel M&Ms, milk chocolate, birthday cake, mint M&Ms. Who knows what else they're going to come up with. And so many times if we can't agree on something as simple as that, as to what our favorite M&M is, we get upset. If we're going to have something going on at the church and we say, hey, we're going to have couple kinds of M&Ms, but if we don't have your favorite, we're not coming. Now I want you to understand what Jesus is talking about, what Paul is talking about in Philippians is so much more important than M&Ms. But so many times it's things like this that take our focus off what's truly important. You see, a church that is not concerned with what God wants, a church that only cares about what they want, Again, they're not in Jesus. They're not unified. You see, God's desire for the church is to seek and to save the lost. It's to make disciples, to have discipleship, to bring people along in this thing that we call a faith. And he wants us to go and to reach people for that. But so many times our focus turns to it's too hot or it's too cold. We're too busy. We don't like the color of the carpet throughout the church. We don't like the music. Well, we have all these meetings we have to attend. That The politics that have come into the church have separated us even at that. Even so many times in our churches, sports separate us. Whether it's Purdue or Indiana or whoever plays Illinois, we can't decide on even that. So many times in our churches, our lack of unity declares that we're not in the same room with God. So the first reason we need unity is that they may be in us, that we are in this together. The second reason Jesus said unity was important was this, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me in John 17, 23. Earlier in John 13, 35, Jesus said this. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We have to understand unity. Loving one another is the mark of who we are. 
If we love one another, the world recognizes who we belong to. And that's huge. We belong to God the Father, who has done all this for us. For you see, our unity as a church speaks volumes to a world mired in criticism and in hate. So many times the world does not often see that kind of behavior from our churches. And when they do, they marvel that Jesus can do that type of thing in his church. And it shouldn't be that way. The church should see the love that we have for everybody and that we belong to him. Run back to Philippians 1, verse 27. Paul says this. He says, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. He will know. Yeah, that's Paul saying that. But God will know that we are standing together in one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. But then Paul tells us why that's so important. You know, having one mind, one spirit, that we strive side by side. In other words, we have the same goal, we have the same determination, we're going the same direction. It was so that we might, as what Philippians 1.28 says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, that this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And catch this, and that by God. In other words, our unity, our love for each other, not only tells the world who we belong to, but it also gives us courage to face the very people who oppose us. Understand, when we're united, we're not scared. We're not frightened by what the opponents or those oppose us might do. John Wesley actually said this. He said, give me a hundred men who feared nothing but sin and desired nothing but God. And I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. And that's what Paul is challenging the church at Philippi to do. He is challenging them to continue to stand shoulder to shoulder, side by side, going the same direction. You see, when the church would do that, there is no one and there is absolutely nothing that could stand against them. And understand, that's what God is calling us to do today. But now here's the deal. We can't be unified unless we decide to love one another. And that's why there are so many verses in Scripture that simply say to love one another. In fact, James tells us that there's kind of this royal law of the kingdom. But again, why would the Bible tell us this so often? Well, it's like a lot of things. God has to keep emphasizing these things because sometimes we just don't grab onto it quick enough. We just don't get it because a lot of times this love one another is hard to do. In fact, a lot of times we think it's almost impossible to do because there will always be people in our world today who say things, who will do things, or they won't say and they won't do something that's going to really end up getting us upset. It's really going to tick us off. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had a fellow Christian do something like that? I believe we all have at some time or another. But did you know what the Bible says about that? 
It says in 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sin. Did you know that? If you love someone, we're going to forgive them. If you don't love them, you won't forgive them. It's that simple. But if you can think of somebody who annoys you, who makes you feel bitter inside or makes you angry, you see, then to the decree that you will still harbor and repeatedly repeat why you're annoyed or why you've been embittered or why you're angry, then you don't love them. And not only do you not love them, we've disobeyed Jesus' command. But Jesus said in John 13, 34, he says, a new command I give you. Catch this, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. If you have time, circle that word must. You must love one another. You see that command is repeated over and over and over in scripture. You see, it's important to God. So I think it must be important for us too. Let me close with Ephesians 4, starting at verse 29 through 5 2. Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Did you catch that last part? When Jesus loved us and he gave himself for us, it was like he was lifting up this fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So if that's true of Christ, I have a strong suspicion it's true for us also. That whenever we forgive, it covers a multitudes of sins. We smell good to God. It's like this pleasant perfume in the throne room of God. And when God smells that, I think God smiles and he says, you know what? They've got it. They understand. So you see, when we do get back to worship again, we still need to stay six feet apart. We need to keep that spacing. We may have to have multiple services. Some may still have to watch online, but that does not mean we're not unified. It does not mean that we're not together. It does not mean we're not worshiping because we are. We love one another. We worship one God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever happens, one day we will all be back together and we will all worship together. But until then, let's stay united. Let's stay with one heart, and one mind with a determination going that same direction and a letting people know that we love them and God loves us and they see him through us. Take care and God bless.